Welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast with Sarah Manderscheid and Austin Myers. We are here to talk about all things running and life to elevate you, not only in training, but also in your personal journey and relationships. We believe in lifting others high and supporting you not just in training, but how to also help you maximize the life you want to live. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to stay up to date on all future episodes and leave a review through the platform in which you're listening. Your support helps us to continue to build a community of like-minded people who strive to elevate their body, mind, and spirit through running. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello and welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast, episode number 21. We hope that you're having an amazing week. You are here with your hosts, myself, Austin Myers, and my co-host, Sarah Manderscheid. We're excited to be here this week and get into our conversation. We want to kick the show off the same way that we do each week with our elevated moments. But first, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Austin. Happy Tuesday. It's nice to see you again. I feel like we haven't seen each other over Zoom, which is how we do a lot of our communication (laughs) Um, in a while. So it feels really good. And um, and it's a great day. Yeah, I feel like I've been all over the country traveling. um, So we kind of stacked some of our work before my race um, the weekend before last. So we haven't really connected. for the podcast or over zoom in a while, but it's good to see you and let's get into our elevated moments. Mine, um, after just mentioning all of the travel that I've done recently is just to be home again and, uh, to be able to kind of get settled and back into the swing of things. You know, it's funny, like when you go through such a period of structure, like we get out of marathon training or, um, you know, that we feel when we're pursuing any goal, And then you get out of it, you realize like you crave it. You crave that Mm -hmm. structure. You crave the routines that we get to go through each day. So I'm excited to be back into the swing of things and feeling like um, the needle is moving again. Yeah, welcome back. It's so exciting. And I totally agree with you on that. Um, I love the structure and I love training hard and training with a lot of miles. And anytime I fall out of that, it doesn't feel like a normal day for me. It just feels kind of different, right? Because it's yeah. part of my day. It's part of my lifestyle. But I will say it's always a little tough getting back into the swing of things for a few weeks at least. And then it's like, oh, this is normal again. Yeah, the, um, the mind is ready, but the body takes a minute to respond as, as sure. usual. So. For sure. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about that here on the podcast today. Um my elevated moment comes from uh, Memorial Day weekend. And just really over the last few weeks, I had some really great feedback from athletes and people who um, maybe see glimpses of the Elevate community or maybe are part of it here and there and just giving great feedback about what a great team we have in person in Denver and Boulder and how we all like come together lift each other high. And it's a really special community. There aren't that many communities out there like it. So it's fun to um, be part of it and to be leading it. And it's something that I actually 
wasn't really aware of until over the last few weeks of so many people talking about it and how special it is. So if you're part of that community, you're amazing. Thank you for being you and for showing up and being part of something special. And if you're in this area and want to be part of it, let me know. We have group runs all the time. It feels like (laughs) there's one tonight. Yeah. um, I know that we certainly believe that you know, what we're doing with Elevate Your Running um, community is a very large aspect of that. So that's something that we're proud of. That's something that we love to have the opportunity to grow. Um, and it's it's just awesome to see people succeeding and building off of each other's successes the same way that we can build off of our own successes. Absolutely. We had a great showing at the Boulder Boulder and a really great group of people who a lot of it, a lot of them just wanted to run it for fun, which was amazing. And I think that's the best way to run the Boulder Boulder because it is such a unique course and the vibes and the energy are just so cool and different um, and fun. So it was a really fun day. We got to also watch the elite athletes um, later that morning take the stage and just crush it. So that was a lot of fun to also watch and a great weekend all in all. Um, well, let's kick off this episode. Everyone last Tuesday, Austin, I don't think you know this. Everyone was reaching out last Tuesday asking if we were releasing an episode about <laughs> the Buffalo marathon and the recap. And I said, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, which is today. So we're going to talk all things sub three marathon today. Um, if we have time, we might talk a little bit about my Boulder Boulder experience, but really want to hone in on, you know, Austin's experience at Buffalo. So Austin, you were very, very strategic with how you set up your last goal pace long run, um, with the carbo load and, the bottle, um, hydration system that you had set up on course. So that was part of your success on Saturday, May 30th, May 28th, 29th, 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 so I'd love to actually just take a step back. Let's go into like the days leading up to it. I know you put a YouTube video out there about like the days leading up to the race. Just talk our audience or walk our audience through those first or last few days of training leading up to the race. Yeah. So we can start with Thursday. Uh, we had a very early travel morning Thursday um, leading into the race. So we got to Buffalo and it was great to be able to get there early, not only early in the day on Thursday, but just early in terms of the amount of days leading into the race. Um, I talked about this in the video that I released, and it's something that I really gained an appreciation for that weekend is that environment is huge. And the second I got to Buffalo, I realized that there was one thing that I did not replicate in my training. And really, I could not have replicated in my training And that is being away from home for the day of performance. And that's just the case. That's just the reality for um, runners or anyone who's going to travel for an event that they've been training for. We are in a comfortable place when we're training. We have a home, we have a system and a routine. And when we travel for the event, assuming you're not running the event locally, um, you know, that's going to change. You're going to get a little bit thrown out of rhythm. However, because we got there early 
And because I am very good at settling in a, a new place as quickly as possible, um, we set it up as closely as we could to what was normal. So we went to the grocery store Thursday. We got a feel for the area. We kind of established our hotel room in the way that we wanted it. And all of that did help um, in the days that followed because really you have a lot of time. Like it was amazing to get to Buffalo. It was just Abby and I and just prepare and, and just enjoy the amount of time that we had with each other. And one thing that I mentioned when I was discussing um, my preparation leading into the race was that, you know, when I wasn't preparing something for the race, so I wasn't, you know, planning out my nutrition, I wasn't, you know, doing my shakeout run or um, consuming my carbs for the carb load. I wasn't thinking about it, or at least I was trying my best not to think about it. Um, I didn't want it to consume me. I wanted to find enjoyment in that weekend beyond simply the race. Uh, and I didn't want it to build up to be something bigger than it was. Um, I believed in myself. I was confident coming into the race. And at the same time, I wasn't necessarily attached to one single result. I can say that I wanted a sub three marathon very badly. I wanted that to be the day. Um, I continued to tell myself and I wrote down on a sticky note, if not now, then when, because that's something that I believe. I believe that we need to go all in whenever we have the opportunity to go all in. Uh, and that's what I did Sunday morning during the race, but I did not want it to be bigger than it needed to be in the hours and days that preceded the race. So, uh, we established the environment. We enjoyed the time that we had together. We enjoyed getting to see a new city that we'd never been to. And, um, you know, you mentioned the YouTube video. That was also just an outlet. Like that was an outlet, not only because I wanted to document the process for two reasons. Number one, I wanted to document it for other people. But number two, I wanted to be able to look back on it. Because if I was going to do it that weekend, I wanted to remember that moment. And that video will always be there for me to do that. Um, but it was a creative outlet and, um, it was fun to do. And, and then, you know, I can honestly say that Sunday, May 29th was potentially one of the best days of my life. Like it just all came together and, um, I'll never forget the feelings and the sights and the sounds and the emotions of that day. Absolutely. Like you ran a sub three hour marathon. You ran a 17 minute PR from your first marathon in Indy. And it was a very, very strong performance. And I also feel like you're spot on with when you travel, you are thrown off rhythm for sure. And it's such a good way to like control what you can control, right? So like going to the grocery store, getting your food set up, food and hydration is probably the biggest thing when you're traveling to make sure that you have that dialed in and you're not just like, oh yeah, like. I'm going to wing it these next few days before the race, like you can, but if you're going for sub three or a huge PR or something like that, it's, it's pretty tough to be able to do both. So, um, so I love that you did that and you took the control, um, and that aspect. And it's something I talked to athletes about on our race strategy calls. And then also like talking about the little things about if you're staying in a hotel room, like if you need a bowl and a spoon for your oatmeal and like little things like that, that like most people just kind of forget about. Um, 
So I love that you kind of took that in and you also were trying to keep your mind off of the race, which is also a big deal. I think sometimes if we can focus or if we do focus too much on the race morning, we get too much in our head and it kind of creates, you know, maybe some anxiety or some, maybe some feelings that don't necessarily need to be there. Um, so walk us through the morning of the race. What time did it, what time did you wake up? What time did it start? How close were you to the start line? All the good stuff. So the, the hotel location, and this is all kudos to Abby because she is always the best with planning and and figuring out the location of everything. The hotel was an amazing location. Um, it was a five minute walk, maybe even less than that to get to the start line. Um, and the finish line was just a street over from that. So the hotel was amazing. Um, 6.30 a.m. was the race start time. And I believe that I woke up at four. And okay. like I've mentioned in, in previous episodes of the podcast throughout my training block, that had been replicated. I had practiced waking up two and a half hours before start time. Um, I ate my breakfast around 4.30 and then basically did some mobility and drank coffee. This is one thing that I mentioned on Instagram as well, is that I will never travel for a race without bringing my own method of coffee. Um, I will bring a pour over a French press, whatever it takes. Uh, but that was, that was funny enough. One of the harder parts of the weekend was just not being able to make my own coffee in the morning. Um, but you know, I, I just basically had the same morning that I had, um, put together before big long runs throughout the training cycle. Uh, we got outside around 6 a.m., did a short warm up, some strides, some dynamic, uh, dynamic movements. And, and then we walked to the start line. Nice. I love it. Um, I had to laugh or smile when you talked about the coffee, not only in your Instagram story, but just now, because if you remember when we were in Mesa, we had such a big issue with the coffee machine, (laughs) coffee maker and our Airbnb. And, you know, I think most runners, not every runner, but most runners love their caffeine and love their coffee. And it does throw you off when it's like a weak cup of coffee or just it doesn't taste good so I totally get that and totally aligned with that um so what was the weather like that morning it was mid 50s that morning and then it climbed into probably the mid 60s by the time that I finished the race at no point did it get unbearable um but I know I I heard from some people that I connected with over race weekend that you know for finishers who are finishing um, mid three hours or maybe, you know, into that four hour range, it was starting to heat up for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. the sun, it was, it was pretty direct sunlight, Sarah, you know, I was excited about the sunlight because of the shadow, um, and getting to see my (laughs) shadow out on the course. Um, but yeah, there were a few parts of the course that got a little bit warm. Um, but it was always manageable. I was fortunate enough that when we moved back to Kentucky, it was a pretty warm time of year. So basically all I did was shift from the altitude that we had just outside of Boulder. And I shifted to the humidity that we get here in Kentucky. So, you know, those few training runs, uh, especially that final training run that we had with 10 miles at goal marathon pace, getting the opportunity to run in some heat with some direct sunlight and a little bit of humidity 
um, was a great preparation, not only for my body, but also, you know, how am I going to fuel differently if it gets excessively warm? And that was something that I was considering leading into the race and also trying to assess on the course. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember that run and you crushed it. You absolutely crushed it. Your last mile was like a 637. And I yeah. knew like, if you, if any athlete can do goal pace work in a long run and the last mile of that goal pace work is significantly under goal pace and you're able to do it, you should have a very strong performance on race day and looking at your splits from the race. I have them pulled up right here. It's exactly what happened. It's like, I mean, you were pretty consistent yet in the last 10 K you did push faster than where you started at, which was really exciting. Did you negative split this race? Yes. Hell yeah. That's we, awesome. Uh, I think we went, so I, I don't have the exact times. The, the tracking for the Buffalo marathon wasn't the best. It wasn't, um, the same tracking system that they used in my first marathon in Indianapolis, uh, which kind of breaks it down by, you know, 5k half marathon, all that. Yeah. Um, but based off what I could kind of calculate, I believe we went about, uh, 130 flat and then probably like 128 and we finished the race at 258 13. Yeah. Yeah. Your last half mile, you had a kick of six twelve pace, which is incredible at that, at that point in the race and being able to, you know, give it everything you got for a half mile, two laps around a track, which doesn't seem long right now, but when you're running for two hours and 56 minutes, um, it's a big deal. So congratulations. It's a long three minutes minutes out there. Yeah, it is. I mean, you just ran an incredible race. That's something to be really proud of. Um, I mean, do you feel like moving forward, you mentioned having like bottle service with, um, and we're not talking champagne here, people. We're talking about like <laughs> electrolytes on course. So Abby, your girlfriend and uh, fellow Elevate Your Running athlete, she ran a 5K the day before. Um, she was on course and saw you four different times. And she had electrolytes there for you to be able to take. Um, will you do that again? Will you mimic that you know, strategy it- again? on a race course, like we had in Buffalo. Absolutely. Um, we will get into this a little bit more when we, you know, discuss moments from the race, but it wasn't something that I felt like I needed on course that day. And I was really lucky, you know, to be able to say that, um, I did get some water, just some plain water from the aid stations. The support on the Buffalo marathon course was amazing. Um, so there was plenty of water to grab, get a sip of. And then, like I mentioned to you earlier, Sarah, I was pouring the remainder of whatever cup of water I had on my head, um, just to make sure that I didn't overheat, you know, to prevent that from happening in any way that I could. Um, it was amazing to be able to have Abby out there with bottles. Basically, um, I saw her at six, 13 17 which was a little bit of a surprise i wasn't planning on seeing her at 17 and then 21 was the big one um so i knew i was going to grab a bottle at mile 13 the half marathon point i grabbed the bottle took a sip or two uh but the big thing about that bottle was i pulled out of it was like a nathan's handheld water bottle i pulled out two gels 
So having those gels was honestly one of the most convenient parts of seeing Abby on the course, just because I didn't have to carry it on my body the entire time. I just held them because it was two at a time that I was carrying. I just held them in my hand. Um, and obviously when, you know, when it's time to take it, then you're carrying even less. So it was amazing to be able to grab those gels with my next race being the New York city marathon. I can, I can assure you that I will not be able to have that, that Liberty of, of seeing Abby out, out, out on the course more than once probably. And I probably won't ask her to, to hand me anything, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but, um, that'll be a situation where you just have to adjust and, uh, for New York city, I'll probably try to train with some of the nutrition that they'll have out on the course, which mm -hmm. is just the case, Sarah, as you know, with those bigger marathons, you have to kind of adjust a little bit, but for anyone looking for, uh, a, an amazing PR course, a great marathon with great support, the Buffalo marathon was just that, um, and having Abby out there, not only as, uh, support you know, for, for my mental state, but also just, um, to be able to hand me some stuff. It was certainly helpful. It's definitely, definitely helpful. Like the less you can carry and the more often you see people that you love, usually the outcome is, is a good outcome. Right. Yeah. Um, I know going into Mesa, like I wasn't carrying, I think I had two gels with me and the plan was to like pull off or, you know, in my experience of, the two that I ran before I was thinking volunteers would be handing me gels, but no, I was pulling off very small, like tables. Um, and it created this anxiety of like, I can't miss a table uh -huh. with gels because I only have two with me, but it's also really great that you knew, I mean, you can count on Abby to be there and the course route definitely supported that as well, because I'm looking at it right now and you ran north south east west like you were all over <laughs> yeah. and that's pretty incredible so it's a really great um course probably for spectators as well yeah yeah it was definitely a great course for that reason it was a beautiful day too um you know we i went out and um another great thing about this marathon was that it just wasn't a ton of people um, yeah. so that anxiety that is really common if you're in a big race with just, you feel like you're surrounded by people, not only were the streets really wide, but it wasn't a ton of runners. So I felt comfortable out there the entire way. Um, I just, the thing I love about racing is that the roads are closed. You don't have to worry about cars. Um, and when you're feeling good, you can thank a police officer for closing the roads for you because it's just such an amazing feeling to be out there on race day and not have to worry about anything but your race. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Not all races have full road closures, but it might be a partial road closure. Mm -hmm. More times than not, I would say it's probably going to be a full road closure, especially as you get into the bigger marathons, for sure. Um, what was your favorite part of the actual race morning? Um, well, you know, finishing that race, was an amazing feeling because I knew the goal had been completed, but I'll go back to mile 15. Um, you know, I went out pretty, I, I don't want to say, I, I know I went out above goal pace mm -hmm. and some of the mile times that I saw come across as I was running, I knew that I was ahead of goal pace um, and that I felt good. But 
you know, if you run a marathon, you have to monitor how you feel so that you can adjust before things begin to go downhill. Um, you know, around mile 10, I, I kind of felt my quad, you know, just being hyper aware, I felt my quad and I'm like, okay, if my quad starts to cramp at any point in this race, that could derail this goal of running sub three, um, considering nutrition. Like if my stomach goes bad, that could derail the goal. And none of that happened. Um, yeah. and I'll attribute that to nutrition. I'll, I'll attribute that to pacing. But at the end of the day, like I was out there and I was going to take it mile by mile. And in each mile, I was going to give it what I had. Uh, at mile 15, you know, leading into that mile, I'll say, I was telling myself every single mile you run, you're convincing yourself you can, you can beat this goal. Every single mile you run, mile nine, mile 10, mile 11, you are proving to yourself a little bit more that you're going to run sub three today. And mile 15, I just felt great. And I had been right at the sub three pacing stick the entire way. Mm -hmm. And at mile 15, I never saw that stick again because yeah. it just felt, it felt good. And I said, you know what? Today's the day. Like, yep. it's not, it's not going to go downhill. Like we're going to do it today. Um, and you know, we mentioned in our race conversation the week of, of the race, Sarah, that you want to delay how long it hurts in a marathon, but if it starts to hurt at mile 21 or 22, you can manage that you can push through for four or five miles and mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened. I mean, mile 21, it probably started to get a little bit hard. Mile 22 is probably where I started to count down the miles. Yeah. Um, but you know, up until that point, it, it felt amazing. Um, and that's just, you know, I told myself today's the day and fortunately it was. I think when you're feeling it, you're feeling it and you know, right. I've had those races before too, where it's like the paces are just clicking and you're like, yeah. this is happening today. Like this feels amazing. And then there's other races where you go in and maybe you have to work a little bit extra to get what you're seeking but I love that at 15, you made that decision a little bit early, right? Cause there's still mm -hmm. 11 miles, but out of those 11 miles or 12 miles, you had six that were in the low six thirties. So you yeah. were feeling really good and that's really impressive. Um, and as your coach and for anyone that I'm coaching in a marathon, my job, I feel like I can do my job or my job has been done. If the athlete says I got to 21 or 22 and it, that's when it started to hurt or start yeah. to get real, right? Yeah. Because the marathon's going to hurt at some point. It's not fun when it happens at 18. It is not fun yeah. when it happens at mile 10. I'm talking from experience here for my last mm -hmm. two marathons. It doesn't feel good. And there's things that, you know, you can control in training to make sure you can get the most out of it. So you are showing up at 21 or 22 before it starts to get a little bit harder. Um, but there's also things that, you know, are out of our control on race day. So I'm just glad that everything kind of aligned with you. I mean, you were very strategic in your entire 14 weeks that we were working together. You were running before you had a great 
base built before going into marathon training, which is a huge piece to be queuing. It's really, really tough to go into a marathon training cycle with 12, 14, 16, 18, maybe 20 weeks and say, I'm going to be queue off a very little base. It's probably, you know, I'm a very optimistic person and a very positive person. And I want to be able to say like, yeah, you can do it. But in that situation, I think it's really tough. And you built an incredible base. Like you ran Indy. I don't think you really took much time off. I know you ran a 20 miler before we started working together in February and then had a really great training cycle um, with some really quality workouts. And um, I'm glad you listened to your body. Like at the end of the day, I'm never going to tell an athlete, oh, you, you started out way too fast because you know what, Austin, you held it and you even pushed a little bit faster than that. And that's beautiful. Um, it just doesn't feel good when it's like the other way around where he pushed you fast early and then you yeah. blow up, but you held it and your heart rate supports that you were at your max. And, um, that's really exciting. So is there anything else that you want to share with our audience, um, about this race, um, about the cycle, the buildup? Yeah. The aftermath? Um, three takeaways from the race and then kind of an overarching idea. Um, you know, just kind of looking at my splits after the race, uh, three things that I noticed the first one being something that I wanted to hold myself to. And that was do not run a mile above seven minute per mile pace. I wanted every single mile to start with a six and it did. Uh, number two was, uh, more miles were ran in the six thirties than I probably would have anticipated. Um, that was something that I was really proud of, especially because I was running most of those in the latter part of the race. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, which I think many runners um, aspire to do, and some days it's just not the day for it. Um, fortunately, this was the day for it, was that I was able to negative split the race. Um, you know, I, I haven't raced a half marathon since I started getting into marathons. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really tested myself for you know my personal best half marathon time and coming into this race i had never run a half marathon under 90 minutes so that was certainly something that was in the very deepest part of my mind was okay you've never run a half marathon under 130 and now you need to run two so that you can run a sub three hour marathon yeah. um and fortunately, I was able to do that. I knew I could. It's just kind of funny when you're like, all right, I've never done it. Let's do it twice. Um, so I'm really happy with, with how that race kind of unfolded from mile one through 26. The overarching idea is this. Set the vision early. I remember when I first got into running and I, I was training in the very earliest stages for my first marathon last spring or summer. Um, Sub three was always the goal. It was the goal that I wanted to achieve. I had no idea how long it was going to take me. My assumption was that it would probably take two or three years to be able to run sub three. And with that goal established, I trained for months and months. And the goal doesn't fade, but we don't see it every single day. It's always <laughs> there. But the little work that needs to be done every day, you're not always going to see that moment. And then little by little, you check in with yourself. It's almost like benchmarks. You check in with yourself and you say, you know, like this is becoming more and more manageable. 
when I ran 315 in, in, in Indianapolis, I thought, okay, like 15 minutes, we can go and get that. I certainly didn't think I was going to uh, go under three coming into this marathon prep, Sarah. But, you know, this, the past four months that we've been training was evidence that like, when you string things together, you start to look back and say, oh, look what I did here. Look what I did there. Look how close I am. And coming into that race, and this was kind of that moment that I had at mile 15, I just saw it. I knew Mm -hmm. that I've been here before. I've lived this before. My body has not lived this before, but I've seen it multiple times play out in my mind. And that's where the confidence came from. So my encouragement for anybody who has a big goal, and maybe you're 30 minutes, 60 minutes away from that goal as far as your current PR, don't be afraid to set that goal. Embrace the benchmarks along the way because they're going to show you that the work that you're doing is moving the needle. And then when you find yourself there that day, it may be sooner than you thought it would be. It may be longer than you thought it would be. When you get there, there's going to be some strange comfort in the fact that you can do this because you've been here before. You haven't been here before, but you saw it. There's power in that vision. Um, And that's what I love to see come to life from athletes. And I can say from experience now that it is one of the most powerful experiences because it teaches you that you can truly do anything that you set your mind to as long as you are willing to control what is controllable. And that is your effort, actions, and output. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's a great message. And I think you know, you definitely nailed it. Like sometimes it happens in one or two years. Sometimes it takes longer. I know my sub three, who knows when it's going to happen. And, um, you know, the fun thing about a marathon, not so fun thing is that it does put a lot of strain on your body. So it's not a race that you can go out there and replicate often. Um, so it does take a little bit longer, um, to kind of go through the cycles, but constantly and continuously building off of each training cycle is a great way to become a stronger athlete. And, um, and that if you commit to the process and to show up and to be consistent, and we're all going to have days where that just doesn't feel good and we don't want to, and that's okay too. Um, you know, you will see results from that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Sarah, I know that, you know, with your goal, like you mentioned, being a sub three marathon, the half marathon that you have coming up here in a few weeks at the grandma's half marathon, um, that is an excellent opportunity to kind of stack a win, like go out Mm -hmm. there and um, run a strong race. And that's just something that you can then store away and say, all right, I've got this strong race. And then we can build on that for an amazing prep for the Chicago marathon, um, where you can really have an amazing full length marathon, 26.2 miles. It's going to be a fun summer of training for sure. And if anything, my workout on Saturday supports very similar to your last long run with, with quality work in it. Um, you went way below goal pace last mile, feeling strong. I did the same thing on Saturday, ran about 15 seconds faster than goal pace in mile 10 and felt really good with that. And it was actually the best feeling mile. So 
when things get tough at grandma's, which I know they will, because it looks like there's maybe some more hills in there than I thought there were going to be. Um, I'm going to lean in onto that workout and that mile and that feeling and knowing I can do it because I know I can do it. The talent or the, the, the talent might be there. The fitness is definitely there. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. it's funny because sometimes all it takes is one, right? Like one confidence mm. building mile, one, one win that you can remember and look back on when it gets hard. Um, we need to embrace that and we need to use it because there's strength to be pulled in these tough moments and we all have it. We have to be willing to work towards that strength. Definitely. Well, let's talk about what's next. So Austin, what's next? You've talked about alluded or talked about New York city, which is Saturday, November 6th. So that that means you have a little bit of a, of a recovery window or some Mm -hmm. downtime. What do you do it? Yeah. Yeah, So the, the biggest goal before the end of 2022 is the New York city marathon. Um, and to, you know, run, run an amazing course. Um, something that I've only heard amazing things from, from, from people who have experienced that race. And I, I want to PR, I want to run faster than I did in Buffalo, which means that I need to have another great training cycle. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I will, I will approach that training cycle with just as much, if not more intentionality and focus as I did in the past 16 weeks. Um, but for the time being in the summer, kind of the same approach that I had race weekend where, you know, if I wasn't working towards the race day strategy, then I was going to try not to think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, in a way, do the same thing over the next two months. And I'm just going to enjoy my training. I'm going to run for the love of running. I'm going to get back in the pool and swim, which is something that I was doing a lot before I got into marathoning and I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to keep my body healthy and strong. Um, with that being said, doing things for the love of it and for the experience of it, I'm going to do a pretty fun challenge. Uh, it's an endurance challenge at the end of June, I believe it's June 25th, and it's actually an overnight endurance challenge. So It'll start at 8 p.m. and it will end at 8 a.m. And in those 12 hours, I'm going to try to run as many miles as I can. Um, it's something that I actually, you know, searched, just searching for something fun to do and to challenge myself with uh, before we got into the taper uh, for this marathon. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a trail runner. So that's going to be something that's new. And I'm certainly not a nighttime runner. So that'll be something that's new. Uh, but it's going to be a fun experience. It's going to be something that, again, I try to get creative with um, and share the process of. Uh, we have, I guess, a little over two weeks until that event. So we'll see you know, what things I can kind of throw into my training in that time window uh, to best prepare myself for that race. But at the end of the day, I'm going out there for fun going out there for the experience of it. Um, and my goal is to get 50 miles in the 12 hour window. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so you're not being coached this month. I would just like to highlight that (laughs) Austin's going out doing his own thing for a month. Um, and then taking some recovery time, which I think is going to be huge and much, 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 much needed for New York. And also, 
what a great way to fill your cup and, you know, just listen to your body. If you have any niggles starting to come up, definitely take some extra rest days, but you know, it's going to be a huge mental challenge, like you said. So it'll be an interesting, an interesting challenge. And where is it? It's going to be in central, central Ohio. I couldn't give you the exact town, but it's about three hours away from where I'm currently at just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Cool. That's great. Um, I love it. And you're going to be training at night. We talked about that a little bit before Mm -hmm. jumping on here, a little bit of dark time, nighttime running, which is going to be huge. Anyone out there running an ultra, I highly recommend (laughs) you, uh, do a few training runs at night or in the dark, or maybe really early in the morning, just so you get your bearings because it's definitely a different experience for sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to get out in the evening a few times over the next, uh, two weeks to get used to a little bit darker, um, settings and then a trail run probably once over the, or each of the next two weekends, I'll get out on a trail, try to get a little bit used to that terrain um, and a, a big thing that's going to be interesting that that night um, is the fueling. Like I've never fueled for anything beyond three, three and a half hours. So I'm going to have to take in some legitimate food. I'm, I'm not going to get by on just um, just gels and just powders. So I'm going to really um, try to embrace the fact that that's something I'm going to have to get used to and, and learn from and We'll see how it goes. It's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. What a fun challenge. And I'm sure we can all watch your, your training and, um, and your race experience, um, through Instagram. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be a fun summer of training for us all. I know that the elevate team has a lot of athletes gearing up for a big selection of fall marathons. So we're really excited about that. But my, my encouragement to us all over the next few months is just to embrace what the summer is going to provide you with. Get mm-hmm. out there. Enjoy being outside. If it's warm where you're at, embrace that too because the warm miles, those hot miles where you're uncomfortable, they're going to pay off in the fall when you're really starting to peak for that marathon. Um, you're going to feel that fitness that was built from the humid and the heat so just enjoy your training over the next few months. And then what's, let's really, you know, dial it in for, for our marathon, Sarah. I know you've got Chicago, I've got New York City, and we've got athletes all over the map. So the Elevate community is ready to go and crush their goals before the end of 2022. Absolutely. There's so many races going on. I feel like every weekend, if you're in my Facebook group, you see every Friday, there's always someone racing, right? It's pretty bananas. And it's also a lot of fun. So I'm going to lean on that and say, and kind of piggyback off what you just said, Austin, of like, we get to train this summer for fall marathons. And we also get to have fun and do things that fill our cup like you're doing this month. And I would argue also like you love the marathon training cycle. So you're going to jump right into that mid July and swimming and all the things, but do the things that fill your cup and bring you joy because ultimately that's what this is all about. It's not about the suffer fest of what could be training for some people. So if that's how you're feeling, dial things back, do things that fill your cup, make you feel really good. 
if you want to race for fun, race for fun. And if you want to go out there and crush a PR, go out there and crush a PR. Like you get to do whatever you want to do and no one else has any sort of say into that. You get to set your own expectations and um, it is going to be a really fun summer. I have my summer training group starting tomorrow night. We have a lot of people, um, a lot of athletes in that group in Denver training for Indianapolis, which is a big, big race weekend. Also the day before the New York City Marathon. We have um, some people running in the fall equinox in Fort Collins, the Honolulu Marathon, maybe the Philadelphia Marathon. So a lot of things going on this fall and keeping it all straight. Um, we have other Elevate athletes uh, running the Twin Cities Marathon, Portland Marathon, St. George Marathon, a bunch of athletes running Chicago. I have eight or nine females all coming together to run Chicago, which is going to be a lot of fun. And majors are just the best too. So I'm really glad, Austin, you get to experience that and um, and get to, yeah, have that great experience. They're just so well organized. The, the crowds are amazing. The runners that you get to run with and hopefully chat with a little bit are amazing. So it's it's going to be a really fun summer leading into a great fall. Fall marathon training. We can end on this. Fall marathon training is so much better than spring marathon training. I, I don't know about <laughs> certain down. parts of the country, but you know, like I was training most of this training block in Colorado. Sarah, you know all about the winters in Colorado and then coming back to Kentucky. Um, you know, you can pretty much get through an entire fall marathon training block without snow, which is a tremendous blessing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. And on that topic of summer, um, we hosted a summer webinar for, you know, running in the summer and dealing with the heat and all of the benefits that we can derive from that, that will be linked in our show description. It is free for you to access. It was about what a 30 minute webinar that we put on Sarah and you did a great job of hosting that. Um, and it's just great information and it's really, you know, a shifting of the perspective from, we have to go out here and run in the heat but also like look at what we can get out of it when we run in the heat and deal with some of those uncomfortable conditions that we get from the summer. So definitely recommend that you access that link through our show description and definitely connect with us through social media so you can follow along with our training and the Elevate Your Running community. You can find me on Instagram at austinmyers 12 and Sarah, where can they connect with you and Elevate Your Running? Yeah, Instagram and Twitter at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H runs happy and at Elevate Your Running. Thank you everyone for listening today. Um, I hope you have a great week. If you have any questions about summer running, check out that webinar. Great tips on how to manage long runs in the summer and all the things, as well as how you're going to be set up for success this fall. I hope you have a great day, great week of running, and we'll see you next time.